Hi, everybody. Hey, I don't mind. Uh, I love having the kids in here, and I, I baby noise, none of that bothers me in the least. Um, I'm ADD enough that I'm just used to getting distracted by normal, quiet adults. So the children don't really phase me. Um, I'm actually not ADD at all. <laughs> I just sometimes like to pretend. Actually, I'm really glad the kids are here because I grew up. Um, I grew up non-denominational, charismatic. Uh, I grew up in the Vineyard. How many people know the Vineyard? Heard of it? Okay. Um, under John Wimber as the overseer, obviously, of all the vineyards. My dad was a vineyard pastor, and I actually grew up in an environment where it was assumed that we, we heard from God and spoke. It was just from the earliest of ages, my parents assumed I heard from God. And so I operated, before I, even before I was trained, I, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know when I was trained, exactly. I've been in trainings, and I've done trainings, but I did operate as a kid very prophetically. Um, and I say that to say, to the point that, and this, I, you know, I, I hate saying this at one sense, and I wish it wasn't on the recording, but I also think it's a powerful statement for you. I, I was many times brought up in front of four or 5,000 people to prophesy at the age of 10 years old. Now, I don't say that to boast about myself. I say that to say, don't assume that kids get kid-sized prophecy because they don't have a kid-sized Holy Spirit. And frankly, what I experience in my church and we experience all the time, my, my own daughter carries some of that prophetic gifting that's particularly strong on me. I know that because we had a conference with two very prophetic, really two people who are prophets, um, which you guys did the worship at in the fall, that your New Horizons worship team. And I had from each session, the different guest speakers, the ones who weren't speaking that session, went out and taught the kids for a little bit and ministered with them. And apparently my daughter gave crazy accurate words to every one of them. I've never heard my daughter prophesy, but I was like, that's, that's awesome. And all that to say, kids don't get kid-sized words. And often I find they actually hear more accurately because they don't have... We can get into confusion and we can get into people telling us that prophecy isn't for today and all these... You know, you can get all these other voices. And so we'll withdraw from the word sometimes. Kids don't have that. You know what I mean? They just are like, I don't know, I'll just say it. And then it's, you know, out of the mouth of babes. I mean, um, there was a whole TV show about silly things kids say because they're just bold and saying they're silly things, right? And it's the same way with prophecy. They're just bold, and they will bowl you over. So I'm glad the kids are here, and I was encouraging Corey to take the notes from tonight and feel free to turn them into teaching for kids for Sunday school because our prophetic culture has been powerful among the kids. Okay, here's what I'm going to try and do tonight, which is equip and activate y'all in the gift of prophecy. Now, I say try, I mean, we're going to do that, but I had to take about 65 pages of notes that I do in about eight hour and a half sessions, no, sometimes 12, and I had to reduce it to one hour and a half session, and we'll have a break of short, so you can be interceding for me. So... I'm not going to deal with the motivational gift of prophecy. Prophecy is complicated because it's used throughout the Bible in all sorts of different ways, and there's different words for it in the Hebrew, and there's different words, there's words for it in the Greek, and, it's, and then there's different understandings of how it's used in different situations, and then there's the motivational gift, there's the fivefold, what I refer to as the office of the prophet, and then there's the gift of prophecy. Do you guys know that? There's all these different things. Tonight, we're dealing with the gift of prophecy, 
okay? You have a gentleman here who can do an amazing job and has teaching you about motivational gift and that fivefold Jesus as the prophet thing. Um, and there are differences, and I'll, I'll touch on the difference between prophet and prophecy at times, but the, my point is to deal with the gift of prophecy, which comes out of 1 Corinthians 12, where it's most talked about. You guys tracking with me? I'm assuming in that that um, I'm going to assume for the most part that you are pro-prophecy. Uh, I say that to say because usually half of my first session is defending prophecy for today. Um, and I am just not going to do much of that because I'm just going to trust you all. And if you don't know if prophecy is for today, you have an amazing pastor over here who can talk to you about that. Um, okay. First off, Jake, can I give you a prophetic word? Would you stand for me? See, I'm demonstrating proper etiquette in my church. You can keep chewing. You're allowed to be prophesied over well chewing. Um, um, Jake, I, um, as you were leading that meeting last night, the Lord just started to speak to you about me. And first, he started to um, speak some words of honor. He just revealed some things that were really just to honor you. And I said some of them last night, but I want to reaffirm, like, you're a man of great integrity. You're a man of great humility. And you are a great man of mighty power. And you hold those things in a beautiful tension where so often power dominates, you hold them beautifully together. Um, and when I saw you, I actually saw a picture of a man I used to know named Brian Dirksen. Um, and you guys may not know that name, but he was a worship leader, very, very popular in the vineyard in the 90s, wrote songs like Come Now is the Time to Worship, Light the Fire Again. And I had the pleasure of just doing a few things with him and getting to know him. And was, when I was looking at you and he showed me that picture, God showed me that, like Brian, you're going to write songs that are going to be anthems for a movement, for the move of God in a certain time and place. Those songs were our anthems of the powerful move of God in a season of the church. Um, they were such anthems even that my wife in the Presbyterian church sang them, my friends in the Baptist church sang them. They, they crossed denominational lines. They crossed people who didn't believe in the Holy Spirit were singing Light the Fire again. It was great, or the movement of the Holy Spirit, I should say, were, were singing Light the Fire again. I don't think they knew what they were doing, but it's like that's how powerful and, and prophetic those songs were as they wrote. And God's going to give you songs, and the songs you've written are excellent, but they haven't come yet. They're the songs to come. I feel like he's saying, and they're going to be anthems for this, this season of the move of God in the church, around the world, across denominational lines, and God's going to use you to train and develop worship leaders. He's, this place here is the training ground for what he's going to be doing with you for the rest of your life in an ever-expanding role. And you're going to see your influence. I see you doing like online courses and coaching. Not courses, because they're not going to be things that people don't interact. It's going to be interactive, but it's like a Skype coaching you're going to be doing with worship leaders all over the world where they're going to be coming to you and you're going to be giving them and teaching them how to walk in the humility and the integrity and the power and the equipping and the teaching and those gifts that are so strong in you. You're going to teach them how to walk in those things and it's going to shape the way churches worship where they're going to move away from performance. God's going to use you pivotally to bring 
bring us back from where we've gone too much in the church into performance and bring us back to the heart of worship. And I just see, it's like that Matt Redmond heart of worship song. It's like that's going to be the song of your life. Not that you're going to sing it everywhere you go, but that's the mission of God over you. You're going to be used pivotally to bring the heart of worship back into the church where it's not about trying to grow the church through it. It's not about trying to, you know, do a better job performing or have a cooler service or whatever. It's going to be about bringing people into encounter where they pour out their praise and receive an encounter, receive an, an, an increase in the depth of God in their lives through things he's doing in you, man. Your destiny is massive, and it's only just begun. Is that okay? Does that make sense at all? I mean, yeah. His grace is sufficient. And I'll, I'll talk about this more, but I want to say, when you get a prophetic word, you don't have to make it happen. You're, you have one of two answers, and that's it. Yes or no. And, I, and I'll say this from the onset. He never takes away your free will. Never. The prophetic word does not mean your free will is now gone, and you have to, that's set in stone. That's what's going to happen. No, you get to say, yes, God. I don't know how that happens. I don't know when that happens. I don't know what it looks like but I want your plans for me, or, oh, heck no. And as a testimony, I'll say this. From the age of about 14 till about 21, I was called out, no, younger than that, because it was back in Toronto, so 10 to 21, I was called out probably five times a year by different people every time, visiting prophetic voices in our churches and given the same prophetic word. And it was very large, very confusing, very confounding. And in my youth and my lack of understanding, there was times where I would try and go after it, which was impossible because of the breadth of the things God was speaking to me. And then in my frustration, as I became an adult, I said, no more. I don't want to hear that word again, God. I can't handle that word because I didn't understand that I didn't have to make it happen. And for five years, I didn't get a single prophetic word, not one. And I struggled for five years to hear the voice of God for myself. So you can say no. Now, that's different than saying that doesn't fit. I'll, I'll get into all this, I promise, but I just felt like I need to start here. Doesn't fit is a different thing than a no. And you can say no, but I challenge you to not say no. Because if you read Stephen in the book of Acts what he talks about to the Israelites before they stone him. He, he reads their judgment for constantly rejecting the voice of God. And some 35 years later, their temple would be destroyed and their whole faith and nation as they know it would never come back to what it was. And I'm telling you, that act at AD 70 exists in Stephen's judgment in Acts Six, I think, and lives in Mount Sinai where God came down and said, I myself will speak to you directly. And they said, no, we won't. We want you to speak to that one instead and we'll listen to him because you're too scared. I don't want to be that. I don't want to live in that. And I'm telling you, that risk still exists today because I experienced it in my life. When I said, no, no more, God. I don't want to hear that. I reject that. I can't understand that, so I just, no. 
the word of the, the voice of God in my life cried out. Some of you, and this isn't a specific ministry night, so we won't go into this now, but if, as I say that, you guys, some of you are like, yeah, I've done that. I know I've done that. If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. And his work is restorative. And so I would just say, come, repent, and be like, oh God, I didn't know. And he's, when I realized what it was, that when I was, because I spent five years not hearing from God clearly at all for myself or getting prophetic words, I would get, it was very different those five years than the rest of my life has been. And when I realized where it all rooted in, I was quick to repent. Because it may be scary, but it's better than the silence. I promise you it is. Now, just so you know, I don't think that God stopped speaking. I think what you prophesied in your song is absolutely true. I think I turned off the radio. Or at least changed the station. Okay. How are we doing? I would encourage you to take notes. Um, also, the notes that I'm using... I, I just didn't have them done quite in time, the condensing, to print them out for you, but I've sent them to uh, Johnny, Pastor Johnny and Pastor Josiah, and they can print them out for you and have them for you later. I think this is being recorded, and so you can listen to it later. I talk rather fast when I'm teaching and preaching and talking of any kind, except when I'm really tired, and then I just mumble slowly. Um, <laughs> okay, Acts 2, and pretty well all my scripture is going to be from the... English Standard Version because um, that's clearly God's true version. If you get when you get to heaven, no, um, <laughs> no, it's just my preferred version. Um, Acts two seventeen, and I'm okay. I'm going to say a few things. I'm going to bounce off some scriptures quickly, and I may not even give you the references for them. I apologize for that. Again, I just want to get as much down as we can. So if you struggle with, wait a second, is that in the Bible? Um, Johnny's cell phone number is, no. Um, <laughs> okay, and in the last days it shall be, and this is Peter, after God has poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost, quoting Joel, Joel who was prophesying about the very thing that was happening in their midst in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, okay? And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, say all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Say prophesy. prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. Say see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Dream, say dream dreams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Say prophesy. Okay. How many people know that we live in a new covenant and a better covenant today? We get that? This is part of the central promise of the new covenant. And it's for all of us. You see how, see what Joel is speaking out and Peter is quoting is that it's for everyone. It's because it's on all flesh. It's on sons and daughters. It's on the old and the young and the middle-aged. And he'll do it in different ways. We see that, right? So some... It's just straight prophecy. Some are going to see visions. Some will dream dreams. But male and female, everybody 
will have the opportunity to prophesy. This was a massive shift from the Old Covenant where the prophet prophesied and everybody listened. Now, that wasn't the intention of the Old Covenant, just so you know, because I told you at Mount Sinai, God said, I myself will speak to you. And they said, no, heck no, you won't. So even in the Old Covenant, God's intention, all the way back to Adam and Eve, what did he do? He came into the garden and spoke to them, right? So it's always been God's intention to speak to us. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, pursue love. In 1 Corinthians 14, it helps if I include the one. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so the church may be built up. Now, um, we're going to camp out in 1 Corinthians 14 more than anywhere else, so you could probably just stay there. And that's, this is where it's the most specific in terms of the teaching about the gift of prophecy. I want to say one thing about tongues, just because people can struggle with this. Paul is writing to one church at one time that is the church for the whole city, the whole place in Corinth. And they were having a specific issue where people were speaking in tongues and nobody could understand what they were saying. And so he was encouraging them to not speak in tongues so much publicly unless there was an interpretation. Now, you may disagree with me, but I absolutely believe he wasn't saying that you should never speak in tongues publicly. Because sometimes I build myself up before in the midst of it. I was, I was speaking in tongues publicly, maybe not super audibly right here, as I was preparing my spirit for what I was doing. Because what I wanted to do was quiet down my mind and lift up my spirit, and tongues does that for me. It gets me out of my head, because I don't understand it, and into the spirit. I understand that this isn't what you asked me to speak about, and I understand that tongues is uncomfortable for people, and if you don't like it, that's okay. But I'm telling you, it is a beautiful gift. And I love when we sing in the Spirit, and I love when we speak in tongues, but I also understand that it's not meant for often public settings, but that doesn't mean we're not supposed to do it. Does that make sense? We tracking? Okay. First of all, I want to touch on some of the stumbling blocks to the prophetic because when Paul gives us this, and he expounds on it later in the chapter, but he tells us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, or especially to prophesy, we've lost sight of that so much in the Western church. And I'm like, there is no scripture, I've read it, a few times, I have not found one that has ever contradicted this, that we should prophesy. I haven't found one where the Bible says you shouldn't prophesy. And so, well, prophecy, there are some stumbling blocks we're just going to look at. What we're going to say is, okay, it's supposed to be a part of what we do as in the Christian life and in public discourse of fellowship, in public fellowship of church, which we'll look at later. So why do people struggle with prophecy? Well, 
One, they think it has to be 100% accurate. It has to be perfect. That's not the case, and I'll sh we'll dig into that, but it absolutely does not. Um, they think, people think that being inaccurate or making a mistake is false prophecy. It's not false prophecy, and that's not what makes you a false prophet. Frankly, in the New Covenant, prophesying doesn't make you a prophet. Um, and we're going to touch on what prof false prophecy is, but it's not a mistake. It's something else. <laughs> Come back tomorrow. No. Uh, we can be relaxed a little bit, right? That's okay. We're an informal group, and I'm an informal person, and I love you all like family, so we, you're all right if I just kind of goof off a bit sometimes? That's right. Okay, people think that they will be judged by what they give. No, the Bible tells us to judge the word, not the person, not the giver of the word in that case. They think uh, that they have to, the people, the people who receive it, as I touched on earlier, they think that they have to make it happen. And so it feels too daunting, too overwhelming, and they pull back from it and they don't want to hear it, like the testimony I told you. Uh, they think that it isn't for today, and like I said to you before, there isn't a scripture that uh, supports that. Now, false prophecy is an intentional and deliberate leading astray from truth through manipulation or control, often with a personal agenda behind it. I will, quickly. And you, will, you can get the notes. But yeah, false prophecy is an intentional and deliberate leading astray from truth through manipulation or control and often with a personal agenda behind it. It is leading people astray from the truth of the good news and from the heart and from the nature of God. Do whatever you like. Now, I want to read in 1 Corinthians 12, 3 quickly, where it says, Therefore, I, went, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So, basically, anybody who's preaching against Jesus or the Word of God or the basic tenets of God, and again, it's not a mistake. It's not like, you know... Young people coming up who just get saved can prophesy, and sometimes they don't know their word, and they'll say something that's uh, not quite right. And that's where we correct. But I'm talking about people who preach against Jesus. I, there was a man who I won't name because I don't like to, but he was, he'd been a school of ministry graduate in a, in a large church, and out of that he developed a very large prophetic ministry. And then he started doing some really bizarre things with his ministry and started preaching some strange things. And he stopped preaching the Bible, and he stopped using the name of Jesus, and he started teaching people that they could become like gods, and they could go to heaven, and all these things. Well, the, the ministry that he'd come out of, it's the only time I've ever heard them do it, uh, and that was at Bethel, by the way. Uh, Bill Johnson, the only time I've ever heard him do this, because I've never heard him, I listened to a lot of his sermons, and I've had... Smaller, I've never heard him say a negative word about a person, or not a negative, but a critical, a condemning word about a person. The only time I've heard him do this, he stood up and said, that man is not of us, and that man is not preaching, bringing the word of God. That there, now that's up to God to judge that, but in my opinion, that there is what we talk about when we talk about a false prophet, right? Somebody who teaches you you don't need Jesus. You can be like God yourself. False prophet. 
Somebody who says, you know, I see you with three children, and you're like, well, I only have two, and I'm 75, so, you know, maybe that's a mistake, or something along those lines. You get what I'm saying? Um, there was Abraham. I shouldn't rule it out. Um, <laughs> so then what is prophecy if it isn't that, if it isn't those things? Prophecy is a spiritual gift. We get that in 1 Corinthians 12 that is rooted in love, 1 Corinthians 13, that speaks the heart of God over a person, place, circumstance, situation, or community. I want to say that again. And this is how Paul structures this. You get this? He talks about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and he immediately talks about love being the foundation, the pinnacle, the everything for everything. And then he goes into prophecy and tongues. It's a spiritual gift, a gift from the Holy Spirit that must be rooted in love and it speaks the heart of God over a person, over a place, over a circumstance, over a situation, over a community. It is always for upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. There are words of prophecy in 1 Corinthians 12. We know that there are words of prophecy, there are words of knowledge, and there are words of wisdom. Um, we're going to look mostly at words of prophecy and words of knowledge because those three things, yes, they're separated in 1 Corinthians 12, but they're all kind of under a prophetic gifting heading as well, um, as is tongues and interpretation of tongues, but that one's a little bit different. And I'm actually going to say words of wisdom absolutely are, but they require, in my experience and opinion, they come with seasoning. And so we're going to spend less time focused on that tonight. Some of you absolutely will work in, do presently work in words of wisdom, which is a divine wisdom that you haven't acquired through some experience or reading or study or anything like that. It's like having wisdom for a situation or a person that only comes through the Spirit. But what I've experienced in my life is that, that God develops that inside of people as he seasons them. And we're not going to focus as much on that. So it is the proclamation of God's potential over a person's life. Now, one of the things I didn't say but I should is prophecy isn't simply telling the future. Um, a lot of people think that it's always future telling. It's way more calling people to God. It's way more speaking heart of God over people. Even if you look at the Old Testament, people... People look at the Old Testament and they, yes, there are a lot of judgments and yes, there, but what there is a lot of is, even in the future telling, is the calling people back to God and speaking of a hope. It's not future telling like, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen. It's like, but I see a light that's coming, right? It's always prophesying about Jesus or the restoration of Israel and it coming back together and these things, but it's, it's speaking hope through the heart of God, it's not simply telling them what their future's going to be. This isn't palm reading. This isn't fortune telling. I had the weekend retreat that Pastor Johnny was with me on was awesome, and we had one night, and it was, of course, the night that he was supposed to preach, the poor guy, where the Spirit fell on us, and uh, me and my friend Josh started to just, we felt like we were supposed to prophesy over people, and so we just started releasing prophetic gifts. And I love prophesying with somebody else. I can do it on my own, and I, I enjoy that, but what happens when I prophesy with other people is we often like, ooh, then God, as, as God, he's giving his word, God's telling me the next word for that person, and they often stack. And we saw that Pastor Johnny got 
I hope you don't mind me saying, a heck of a lot of prophetic words from me and then from Josh, and then the group started to prophesy over him, and he just had to get on the floor and be wrecked. And, the, I mean, the power got his. It was profound. Now, I had a couple there who six months earlier had been drug dealers and just a mess and living together, and now they're in the process of getting married, and they've had their whole lives saved, transformed, but they know nothing of God. And I'm doing their premarital counseling, because like I said, they're working on that. And the next week, I sat down with them, and, he's, and the young man's like, just a second before we start. So you're like this prophetic-y thing, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm prophetic in nature, yeah. Are you reading my mind? Can you read my mind right now? <laughs> and he was absolutely serious. And I was like, no, man, I can't read your mind. I'm not reading your mind. He was like, oh, good. <laughs> And then I was like, maybe I should be reading your mind. No. Um, it's not mind reading. It's not fortune telling. It's not palm reading. It's not tarot cards. It's not telling the future. It's hearing God's heart for a person, for a group of people, for a circumstance, for a situation, for a place. Sometimes it's like God will, you know, frankly, I, I come into your church, every time I come into your church, God starts speaking to me prophetically like crazy. It's so distracting. Last night, I had to leave the meeting for a few minutes, and then I felt so bad for Josiah, because the more he talks to me like that, the more agitated I get. Like, I just start moving more and shaking more, because I'm just like, oh, I got to say something, but it's not my meeting. Um, and don't worry, the things that God said to me, I'm going to release tomorrow morning, um, specifically. But the things that are to be released, I'll release tomorrow morning. But... Uh, he wasn't telling me anybody's future, but he was telling me about what's going on in this place and the things he's doing here, both over the body and over the city. Does that make sense? So it's not just personal. It can also be corporate. It can also be national. It can be city. Um, I find that prophets, which they do exist today, um, tend to th get words much more on a larger scale. They tend to get words about seasons, they tend to get words about what God's doing in the church, not a church. They tend to get words about what God's doing in the nation or the nations, not a city. For whatever reason, they just God seems to speak to them, sort of like in the prophets of old, on the grand scale. And then he uses the church, who've been equipped for prophecy, to speak the heart of God on the local scale. Does that make sense? Now, that doesn't mean you can't get a word for the nation. You absolutely can. And you, that doesn't mean you're not a prophet. I don't know. I don't get to decide you're a prophet. That's up to God. On that, be wary of anybody who says they're a prophet. Unless you've heard it from about a dozen people first. And I'm not kidding about that. Um, a lot of people will come up to me and tell me they're a prophet. And I'm like, okay. I don't know what to do with that now. Um, but there are people I know who are prophets, and they don't know it. Do you know what I'm saying? And there's people that, we just had a man named Bob Hazlett in for the second time to our church, and, and he's wonderful at this, and uh, at prophecy. I mean, he's crazy accurate. He, he's the kind of guy who, he's calling out names, and it, I'll tell you a funny story. I'm never going to get through all this. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> 
he, he, call, he even calls out names and things like that. And I, God's moving in a really interesting, these are words of knowledge often when he gives you specific names or things about a person. We're starting to see people get last four digits of social security numbers. I was at a conference recently where a guy said, is there a woman named Sandra here? Your husband's name is Mike. He's an athlete. His left knee, he tore his ACL. He's going to have surgery and he's desperately afraid. Does that fit anybody? And a woman's like, 100%, every single thing. And he just looks at me, he's like, you should be encouraged today. And that was it. Because what, what God was doing in that, just so you know, and that's the word of knowledge piece, but what God was doing in that was just saying, hey, I see you in your trouble. That's all. That's all he wanted to do. That's why he didn't continue on with the whole long prophecy. But Bob was there, and he, he said, is there a Fernando here? And, and it was no, and he was like, oh, man, I really thought there was. And then he said, is there a Holly here? And I'm sitting over here in the front row in our church, and Holly is my wife, and Bob's never met my wife, but he knows me, he's getting to know me better. And so he's like, oh, man, that's crazy that you're Ben's husband, or Ben's wife. Do you call him Fernando sometimes? <laughs> but then he absolutely read her mail. He talked about things that, like he, my son, a week earlier, had been accepted into a new private school with an incredible financial gift so that we could afford it. Uh, and he prophesied right into that, having no idea. He prophesied us, about us having some journeys back to California, maybe moving back there, except he didn't know that my wife was from California. He prophesied about us having uh, rental properties that we would be able to support people and help people in and out of the church with those. He didn't know that we owned six rental properties. He talked about them being from inheritance. He didn't know that those came from my wife's inheritance. He didn't know that the people living in those rental houses, one is a woman who's come out of a battered shelter, two are families who lost their jobs in our church and were able to help. And I'm not saying this to gratify myself. I'm like, he read her mail. Now, he did all that so that when he went into what God was now doing in her life, she would sit up and listen. Because if a man tells you your whole life story and then says, now here's what's next, you go, okay. <laughs> I'm listening, Lord, right? I don't know why I was talking about that, but it's good. It's not future telling. And he says something else which is good, both about the words of knowledge and about prophecy. It's all guessing until it's confirmed, and that's okay. When he gets up with a list of names and he thinks there's a Fernando in the room and there's no Fernando in the room, nobody's stoning him. He's like, hey, listen, I'm just, I'm just doing my best to hear, and then I'm taking a risk and guessing and if it's confirmed, it was God. And if it was not confirmed, I guess it was me. And that's okay. I was wrong. No one is demanding perfection. And it's funny because there's no place I feel like the church demands perfection more than in the gift of prophecy. And it's just not a fair expectation of anybody. Because we all see dimly. Right? We all hear imperfectly. Okay, the process of, pro of prophecy. I'm going to go quick here and read less than I thought I would, but it's good. Prophecy is progressive, meaning it's unfolding often. It, we get a piece, and then it stacks, and it stacks, and it stacks. Very often in my life, I've had somebody give me a word, and then six months later, I get a word that builds on top of that. I get a word that builds on top of that. It's evolving. It's, we have to know that it's that we know in part and we prophesy in part. And I'm going to talk about that more later, I think. And prophecy is imperfect. Obedience is the key. We just say yes and give the word and do our best, but we don't expect that we're always going to be perfect and we have grace for one another. 
You know, Paul tells us, and we'll look at it later, but it's, it's a key here, too, in 1 Corinthians 14, that when we come together, let the prophets prophesy, let those who have the gift of prophecy prophesy, and let others, let the others test them. Now, if the word was always perfect, why does it need to be tested? Why does it need to be weighed? Why does it need to be judged? Because it's not always perfect. When, <laughs> now what did I say? Um, prophecy is imperfect. If, 1 Corinthians 4, I've got it here. What then, brothers, when you come together, and this is about us gathering as a church, and again, he's speaking to a church that was in disorder and dysfunction, and he's trying to bring order and function back in. Now, when he brings in order, we often rule out the freedom of the Holy Spirit and the gift of prophecy in, in the name of order, and yet when Paul's bringing order in 1 Corinthians, he's bringing prophecy into the center of that order. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, which is prophetic, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Skipping down to 29. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that you all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion but of peace and is in all the churches of the saints. This is a key verse we're going to look at some throughout the night, but the part I'm looking at right now is let two or three speak and the others weigh what is said. If Paul is having us weigh the word of prophecy, then it must be because weighing it, you know, is judging it, is, is assessing it. You get that, right? And he, if it's always perfect, why would we have to weigh it? It's okay to weigh the word. That's what I said before. It's different from saying, I reject the word, and saying, I'm going to weigh this, and say, does this fit? Does this line up with the word of God? Does this line up with the things that God's spoken to me? Does this line up with the, with the things that I, is it in submission to my pastor, my spiritual leadership, whatever? Does that make sense? It's okay to weigh the word. So it can't be perfect if it has to be weighed. You following my logic here? That's a big deal. Because again, this is one of those huge stumbling blocks for people. And you're going to have, as you guys develop a prophetic culture, and you have that in your worship, by the way. I've never been with Hannah Buckner that she doesn't prophesy through song. I've never been in a worship set with her where she doesn't. And I've gotten to be in a lot, but not nearly as many as y'all. Many as y'all. But I'm guessing you haven't either, or you've been in very few. And you have others who are like that. I know Caleb and Bethany flow in I mean, lots of you flow in that. And so you do have a prophetic culture in your worship. And now we're talking about personal prophecy more. And as you grow in that, you're going to have people come in and they're going to be like, I'm not sure about this. So this is an important thing for you guys to understand that prophecy isn't about inerrancy. It's not about perfect. perfect. It's about speaking the heart of God. Okay. I've got two Buckners with me. Amen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all I need, man. Um, okay. So let's transition straight then into how do we hear the voice of God? Now, first of all, we want to prepare ourselves to hear from God. And this isn't like every time you go to hear from God, because you should be hearing from God constantly. And as you grow in this, you will be. He's speaking to me all the time. 
but to prepare myself to hear from the heart. Consecrate yourself. Right? Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves. Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Which is just a beautiful thing. But before the wonders came, he said, get right. Be filled with the word and the spirit. There's no way for you to know if what you're hearing is consistent with the nature of God if you don't know the word of God, where his nature is best revealed. This is where a lot of prophecy goes way off because people don't know their word. Listen, my pastor Alan talks about Old Testament prophets being basically covenantal lawyers. And what he means by that is they knew the law and the word of God so well that they judged everything based on that word of God and made their assessments based on the word. And so you can see that when they're making judgments against Israel, what they're doing is making judgments of where Israel has gone off from the word of God. They can't operate in that prophetic gift if they don't know the word. We're supposed to speak the heart of God over everyone all the time. We can't do that if we don't know what the heart of God is like. How is it revealed? It's revealed through his word and through his spirit. So get filled with the word and with the spirit. You want to grow more in prophecy? Grow more in your Bible reading. I promise you it's true. Now, you also need to have faith. You can hear his voice. Jesus himself said in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, we follow him by his voice, by his word. You get that? He said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know it, and they follow me. It's by his voice. that You see, we're not following something we see necessarily. We're following somebody we hear. It's the voice of God that's just constantly saying, as he did throughout the, throughout the Gospels, come follow me. You come too. Come on. Come on. Let's keep going. I'm going there. You come with me. He's still doing that today. Do not doubt James 1 talks about that. But I want to say just this. But let him ask in faith. In verse 6 it says just, but let him ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So, now, doubting isn't, man, was that God? Doubting is, can I hear from you, God? Can, do I, can I even hear from you? That's a different thing. Again, saying, was that you, Lord? That's weighing, and that's testing. Saying, can I even hear from God? That's doubting. Different things. You see that? I mean, I know these things are subtle, but I'm telling you they're huge. And then walk by faith and not by natural feelings or senses. Um, all that to say... Don't, uh, listen, God works through our emotions and our feelings, and he is not calling us to be robots. But if your feelings are, God doesn't love me, he doesn't use me. If your feelings are lying to you about the nature of God or the nature of yourself, don't follow them. Walk by faith. Speak the truth and get yourself into a position to hear. In the preparation, recognize that God is loving, he's merciful, and he's kind. Now, how do we discern God's voice? Um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all this, but go read 1 Kings 9 sometime, 11 to 13. 
And this is where Elijah's having a bad day, or a few days, or maybe a bit of a life. Um, yeah, if you want to be a prophet, read what happens to the prophets, <laughs> and then you may rethink your decision. Um, I'm, seriously, I always think that too. The people who come up to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. Um, and I, I mean, trust me, I'm nice, but internally I'm like, I don't know. But then I'm also like, you have no idea what you think you're signing up for. You've just declared yourself one who's going to be going through some hard things. But anyway, he's having a bad day, and God calls him to stand before the mountain, similar to Sinai. And as he stands before the mountain, the Lord passes by, similar as with Moses. And a strong wind comes through, and then an earthquake, and then a fire. And each time it says, but God isn't in the wind, the earthquake, and the fire. And then there's a voice like a whisper, or another translation says a still small voice. And then Elijah, and it says, and it's, I'll finish it with this, and when Elijah heard it, he acted. It goes on to say what he did. So God very often speaks through the still small voice. Now, I have... Um, I'm recovering. The Lord's really helped me, but I have what's called I have a vocal disorder. Um, it's muscle tension dysphonia. And so talking for a long time, singing for a long time, about two years ago, I was singing. My voice popped. I had a, thought I had a polyp. I lost my voice. Uh, it came back in five minutes. I pushed through and sang through the worship set that I was in practice. And then I lost my voice for about 12 days and could not speak above a whisper. And it hurt. And it was, I was terrified. I loved to sing. And I love to preach. And when you're a worship leader and a preacher and you lose your voice, you're out of a job. Um, and I went to an ENT and I got better. But my point of the story is for a very long time, I would lose my voice very quickly and it was very quiet. I had a very, very, very quiet voice up until about, it started coming back about seven months ago, starting to get stronger again. It's, I will recover. I just have to do exercise. I'll continue to. Now, if I'm speaking in a whisper to my kids or my wife or in a coffee shop, it requires being quiet to hear me. If God speaks through a whisper, we got to get quiet if we're going to hear him. I was at that same retreat the first night. We did a thing on the still small voice, and I said, just get alone with the Lord. You know, go around the room to these young adults. And I said, just get quiet with the Lord. And just trust him to speak to you and whatever. And I said, now, if you're, after a few minutes, I'm like, if you're having trouble hearing, um, just put your hand up. And one of my ADHHHD, 19-year-olds, we just like to say he's extra. <laughs> extra what? Extra everything. Um, but he's wonderful. He puts his hand up. And I love this guy. And I come up to him. And I'm like, and I just listen. He's like, oh, come on, God, please, God. Yeah, I wanna just want to hear you, God. Come on, I want to hear you. Come on, speak to me, God, speak. And I was like, buddy. If you're doing that, how are you ever going to hear anything? How can you listen if you don't stop talking? And he was like, oh, and he got quiet, and then he heard the Lord. A lot of our prayer lives in the general church are us talking to God, and then we turn around and say, God doesn't talk to me. And I'm like, maybe in your prayer life, ask him a question, and then wait for the answer. Now... We're going to talk about how we hear in prophecy, and the still small voice is one way, and we need to know that voice, and we need to be in tune with that voice, but I'll tell you this, it is great to see you. Um, 
but I'll, I'll tell you this. For me, most of the time, the still small voice is how he speaks to me personally. Prophetically, he rarely uses that same voice for whatever reason. He speaks to me different ways. Now, they're all consistent with that voice. But for whatever reason, the still small voice is how he speaks to me at quiet time. I get more pictures, impressions, just a divine knowing, words of knowledge, things like that. And then often when I start speaking, he just starts to flow through me. When I was prophesying over Jake, I had about 30% of that when I came in and started prophesying over him. And as I was prophesying, you know, on radio shows, anybody ever done the radio? Like they... Your producer is actually speaking in your ear like the whole time about what's coming up next, and you have to learn to listen and speak at the same time. And so when I'm prophesying, God's voice is often quite a bit louder because I'm speaking and a lot stronger in my, in my ear, in my spiritual ear, which is a weird thing to say, I know, And because I'm hearing as I'm speaking. And then I got to the end, and I was out of words, and I wasn't quite ready for that, and I was like, oh, oh, we're done now. And that's where I was like, is that, is that okay? Because <laughs> it was like all of a sudden the flow stopped, and that's Okay. So, we then have to ask the question of whose voice are we listening to? God's voice is righteous, it is loving, it, it is unto salvation, it is unto wholeness, it is, operates in humility, well-being authoritative. It never condemns or shames, it always agrees with scripture, it is the truth, and it always gives life. The voice of the flesh, if you will, and I don't like that whole flesh thing, just so you know, because it's not really scriptural. There's not a lot of stuff in there about that. What I like is the voice in my head that's just my voice is often self-seeking. It's often about a personal agenda. It's often about self-exalting. It's often self-driven, and it often can lead to, if I lean into it, manipulation or control to get the end that I want rather than God wants.
I don't see it. And uh, it all happened. Okay, I want to get into some ways that we hear prophetically. This is not an exhaustive list because I couldn't possibly do that because God created us, each one of us, uniquely. I still don't dream. And that doesn't bother me because he speaks to me in my, in, his, in my ways.
story today of a, a woman in my church who has six or five children, five children. Um, she's been married, I think it was 37 years. And last year, she told me, and I found out later, everyone in her family knows, she, from three months in, has regretted marrying her husband. Fully, never been happy, sleep in separate rooms, miserable marriage, miserable children, miserable family. And I was like, why did you marry him? My church told me I had to. They told me that's who God told me, I was, that who told them I was supposed to marry. Oh, man, they took her choice out. We never take away free will. When we tell somebody who, that God's saying who they're supposed to marry, we're taking their free will away because they're now left in the position where it's like, how do I disobey God, right? No mates, no babies, too painful for people sometimes. We don't know what's going on. I just don't do it, and it's a good rule of thumb. Just don't do it, and I'm not going to go into all of it. No negative words, no condemnation. No arguing. We're not going to go counsel. This isn't pastoral ministry. This is prophetic ministry. <sighs> Pitfalls. Judgment is a big one. When we start to judge people. And you're going to read those later. Oh, a big one though in there that I touched on earlier, but I'll say it again. And it, Inability to admit, admit that you were wrong or misheard. If you get it fixed in your head that you hear 100% accurately all the time, you're not going to submit to anybody. You're not going to walk in authority under anyone's authority. You're going to become a rebel, and you're going to go out. You're going to end up outside of the church, which is never where we're supposed to exist. Now, that doesn't mean we don't go out in the world and prophesy. I'm talking about outside of the covering of the church. Now, sometimes. The Lord's going to show you things that are not positive things. Cool, I lost page 10. But I, oh, no, I didn't. That's cool. Um, how do we deal with it when God shows us somebody's sin or brokenness or pain? We flip it around. God's showing us that not for their destruction, but for, but for their restoration. I asked permission today from my uh, assistant at my office, Nikki, um, who a few of you know, to tell this story. Oh, four years ago, three and a, no, I don't know, three and a half, four years ago, Nikki came in um, dating a guy who was in and out of church. Um, she knew something of Jesus, but she wasn't saved. She was living in sin. She was partying. She was drinking. And she was, her biggest thing was sexual immorality. I looked at her, and I saw the sexual immorality all over her, like weights, like just dragging her down. It was like a dark cloud that surrounded her, you know, like that. Um, and I see that sometimes, by the way, a dark cloud in the spirit. And uh, you remember, like, Pigpen in uh, Peanuts? It's kind of like that for me. It's like uh, a mix of Pigpen and Eeyore. Because um, <laughs> he's, he's got the emotional dark cloud, and Pigpen had the physical dark cloud. And I saw that all over her. Now, she doesn't know Jesus. This is her first time coming into church, or at least our church, or any charismatic church, and the first time coming into church in probably 10, 15 years. How the heck is it going to be restored to bring her to Jesus if I go up to her and tell her that she's sexually immoral? I see that you are caught up in a ton of sexual sin. If I go to her and say you're basically a 
use any profane word you want for women who are, or men who are in that situation. How does that help her? Obviously, it doesn't, right? We see that that's not going to lead her to the heart of God. But then the question is, why did God show me that? Well, because he's showing me that he wants to make her pure. He wants to restore her purity and her virtue. And so I went to her, and I just prophesied. I just asked her, by the way, when you're giving a prophetic word, sometimes you'll call people out and you won't know their name, and you'll say, you know, sir in the third row in the gray hoodie, what's your name? And they'll say, Chuck. And I'll say, would you please stand up? And that's just a good thing, because it's easier to have eye contact and see his body language and him mine. And then I'll ask, before I ask him to stand up, I'll say, may I give you a prophetic word? I have had people say, no, I'm not comfortable. I said, no problem, just God bless you. Thank you for being honest. I asked her, can I give you a prophetic word? And I just said, I just see the Lord wanting you to bring, bring you into a place of just total freedom where you're totally just pure, clean. And, and I don't remember exactly what I said because I can't prophesy now. But basically, I prophesied the positive, not the negative. You see what I'm saying? I flipped it. And she gave her life to Jesus, and she's now on staff at our church, helping in children's ministry, and my, and my assistant. And she got that job. I'm, it was so supernatural how fast. We hired her like three months later. Um, now, God told me to hire her, too. He told me, that's the one. You need an assistant, that's the one. But you see how we flip it around? So if God's showing you something negative, if he's showing you somebody's brokenness, if he's showing you somebody's loneliness, it's not just sin. Sometimes it's like God shows you that somebody's incredibly lonely. Now, loneliness isn't such a negative thing, and so you can speak that out because it can show them God can see them, but even still, where you need to go very quickly is to, he's bringing you into family. He's bringing you into community, into relationship. And often, what God speaks to me when he shows loneliness is that he himself wants to be their companion. Because if God's your companion, you're never lonely. My um, counselor that I see once a week, I love counseling. I love Wendy. I, you might have a problem with that. I think it's great for me because I get to listen to people's problems and help them with them all day long, and then I get to go to talk to somebody about mine, and it's helpful. And it's way more than that, honestly. She's like a spiritual guide. But she, she was um, a cessationist most of her life, much of her life. And then she started getting introduced to things of the spirit. And that's still small voice teaching. And if you want more on that, um, Mark Verkler, Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice, is an excellent book on hearing God for yourself if you struggle with that. Excellent book. Very practical. He's a highly analytical man, so it's very practical and linear. But she started doing that in her life a number of years ago, um, developed a relationship with the Lord. Her husband died very quickly of cancer four years ago. And she said, Ben, I've missed him, but I've never been lonely because my Jesus has always been with me. And every morning, I, she's like late for work all the time because she gets caught up with Jesus. She's always late for, she's late for everything. She gets caught up with Jesus, just sitting there journaling all the things. And when she started journaling, she said it was like 90% her stuff. And she uses, this is cool, this is a good trick that's not in Mark's book. She uses a blue pen for what she, her questions or her thoughts and a red pen for when she's hearing God. And then she tests the red pen stuff against the word and she asks people sometimes. Um, and it used to be, 90% blue her, 10% red, and now it's, she said it's like all the way down to like 5% of her and 95% God. And I'm telling you, this amazing woman comes into her office for our session sometimes. She's like, can I just read you what the Lord said to me about you today? Because he interrupted my quiet time because he said, I'd like to talk to that about Ben for a few minutes. 
That's good stuff. So often when there's loneliness, it's because God wants to be closer. Because again, you can be totally alone, but you're never alone. See, I'll never leave you. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, Jesus said. And so loneliness is never from God. Solitude can be from God. Loneliness is not from God. Okay. Questions. Thus endeth the fire hosing. And I skipped over some stuff, so read the notes. Ask me questions later if you don't have any now, because I get it. Sometimes you've got to process a little bit before you come up with a question. Uh, or maybe you won't have a question, which means yay. Uh, all right. I would like you, for those who are comfortable, and if you're uncomfortable, hey, there's grace and no judgment. I'm not, none of us are going to look at the ones who are not yet comfortable with this and say, what is wrong with you? Can we all agree to that? Yes? I'm not getting a great, like, yes. I need a yes. Like, because that's a big one, okay? There's no judgment. All of us, you all have permission to be wrong. Do you give each other permission to be wrong and make mistakes? Okay. I would like you, if you're comfortable, to find somebody that you, the, somebody you don't know well in the room. Just get with one person you don't know well. Yeah, no, Johnny and Debbie, that doesn't work. Mary, come on, people. We're, I'm on a timeline. I got seven minutes. You got to work with me. Just go find somebody. This is interactive time now. I'm done with the preaching part. Work with me, people. Man, even our leaders won't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, you guys have the harder job. But listen, that's okay if you do, because like I said, you, you know in part, you prophesy in part. It just increases the kind of challenge element if you don't know them. It's, it is, I have never once prophesied over my wife. Let me just say that for the married couples. I just, I tend to think it's a really bad idea. I will be like, you know, I, I feel like the Lord might be saying, hey, it's okay to say that too. It's, it's humble to say, I, I think God is saying. I, I'm, I feel like God is saying. You get that? That's humility. That's not doubt. That's offering the person the opportunity to weigh the word. All right. Who needs a partner? Everybody in the room almost, I feel like, looking around. Who, of those who are comfortable, yes. And then just when the hands are all down. Okay. Are we settled? Are we where we want to be? That's all right. Good. I would like you all to pray for a second. Just get quiet with the Lord. I'll only invite the Holy Spirit in just a second. Because it's by the Spirit that these gifts are released. We get that? It's not by trying. It's not by, I mean, we practice. But it's the Spirit who releases them. And what we're going to do first is I'd like you to just ask the Lord for a picture. For that other person. And then... Once you have it and you both make eye contact because you're both ready, one of you go first and tell the person the picture you see. That's it. Don't interpret it. Just tell them. And then ask the simple question, does that make any sense? And feel no, no discouragement if it doesn't. Please. We're practicing, people. All right. So Holy Spirit, God, I thank you that you are always speaking. 
God, I, I thank you that through all of human history, you have been wanting to speak to and you have been speaking your heart to your people and you've been calling them to you and you've been drawing them to you. And God, I thank you that you allow us to participate in that through the gift of prophecy. It is such an incredible gift that you've given to us. So right now, Holy Spirit, increase your presence in this room. We just say more, Lord. Increase your presence in this place. And Father, just start to illuminate in our minds your words, your pictures, your thoughts for the people that we're sitting with. Now let's just take a minute and be quiet before the Lord, okay? And I'm going to let you guys, there's no amen, I'm just going to let you decide. Once he gives you something, just, just open your eyes and make eye contact. Got one, got two. Hey, look, you guys all just prophesied over each other. And some of you, it, it made a bit of sense. Some of you gave me a more emphatic, heck yeah. Um, and as Isaac Butcher says, heck yeah. I love that. Or as my good friend Mark Cisneros, some of you know, says, he even texted me, yeah. <laughs> okay. I would normally keep going with this and have you change partners and then ask for an impression or a feeling for the other person. And then I would ask you to get a word of knowledge, which would be um, something you would say to the group and see if it fits for somebody. Uh, and then I would ask the Lord for a Bible verse for somebody in the room. We don't have time for all that. <laughs> but those, you can see, those are going through the different ways we hear from God. You get that? Um, we, we don't have time to do those now, but I'm happy to find time or keep, I don't know. I, but what I do have is on there the list of activations. They're very simple. I don't like convoluted activations. I've, I know some teachers of the prophetic are like, you know, get a superhero for the person. Or, you know, they do, and I, and I get it. It's, it's all good. I don't have a problem. I'm just like, I think let's just stick to the basics of how God speaks. And if he gives you the picture of a superhero, perfect. Um, but what I want you guys, I, here's my challenge to you. Um, didn't ask. So better to ask forgiveness than permission is an absolute lie. But I'm going to operate under that. that. You guys know that that is just so dishonoring, right? Like, in terms of submission and walking under authority, that whole line of, oh, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> but, but what I'm going to do is say, be bold. Ask the Lord for a word for somebody for tomorrow at church. And we probably won't do where you come up and give it publicly. Um, but what I would say is... Um, 
go be bold and just ask that person privately. Don't interrupt them in worship. Listen, this makes me crazy when people do this. Somebody's like so pressed into worship and somebody's I got a word for you. It's like, ugh. Let them worship. Hold your tongue. Have some self-control. There'll be an opportunity. If God has given you a word for somebody, he'll give you the opportunity to give it to somebody. You don't have to force your way in. Does that make sense? In the same way, if he gives you a word for the body, don't interrupt Johnny in the middle of preaching or anybody else. Wait until after. Everybody. And it's honestly, as a worship leader, it's very hard for worship leaders because all of a sudden you're like, what is going on over there? And it takes you out of what's going on in the spirit, what's God doing in the room, into what the heck is Isaac doing? Just kidding. I'm picking on you, buddy. Um, but ask God for a word for somebody. Now, I didn't, ugh, I didn't say this, but I have to say that. I did sort of touch on it. More often than not, God gives me literally one word. The vast majority of the time when I'm doing spontaneous prophecy. Tomorrow I'm going to try and prophesy quite a bit, um, if that's okay with you all. I feel like God's called me to just model it some and do it some, if that's all right. Not that you guys don't know how, but I just felt like that's what he told me to do. So I'm going to try and prophesy quite a bit. Very often when I put myself in that position, what happens is I'll stand up and I'll just like, I'll get a word like, actually, I just looked at Chuck and got the word wisdom. And it can be very unnerving to only have one word because you can feel like I should have more than one word. And I really did get that word. I'm not being funny. Um, but sometimes it is just one word. Like I said, the guy who had all that, remember all those words of knowledge, and then he said, you should be encouraged. He wasn't being funny. He was saying, God told me all these things for your encouragement. That was it. Other times... I'll start speaking. I'll say, I just saw the word wisdom on you, Chuck. And what that speaks to is actually wisdom to make families. What God told me, like, not make families, like, you know, biology. That was a weird way to say that. I've been talking a long time. Um, although I bet you have wisdom in that, too. But um, now we just took this thing to PG-13. But um, no, no, healthy families. To speak into broken families and help to bring them to health. There's, like, a supernatural wisdom where you're going to sit and you're going to have, you're, you know, we all go through that suffering in life where we watch our friends and our neighbors and people we love, their families start to break down. And we encounter people whose families are breaking down. And God's giving you a gift of wisdom to help people guide through that to reconciliation. So there's a wisdom for, for family restoration that he's placed on you. And it's a strong ministry. And I, I know you're a strong worshiper. And this isn't, it's not either or. But I'm telling you, if you don't already walk in that, in the coming seasons, you're going to even start to have opportunities. It's not... You're not going to have to seek this out. Don't go looking for broken families. What's going to happen is all of a sudden people are going to start to be like, I, 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 can't, I can't not tell you. I don't know. I just have to tell you. My wife and I, we put on a good face at church, but we're not even speaking at home. And my kids, I snap at them all the time. And I think they're using drugs. And I think, you know, and they're just going to pour out their hearts to you. And you're going to be like, you're going to embrace them and bring comfort. I see you bring comfort and mercy and kindness and not judgment. It's like they're going to come to you. Men are going to come to you and talk about in that brokenness. They're going to actually, in your place of grace to start with, they're going to actually be willing to confess the things that put the seeds and the cracks in the foundation of their families, whether it's adultery, immorality, all these kinds of things, distraction, just a, a distance, whatever it is, they're going to start to confess the stuff that, that happened, and you're going to have grace for them, but you're also going to have wisdom to bring them out of that and give them wisdom of how to bring their family back together. I absolutely believe that's for you, but does that make any sense? <laughs> okay, so that... 
was cool because it was an example that made us seven minutes long, but I got the word wisdom. But as soon as I started to say that, I saw the word wisdom. Then God said, wisdom for families. And I said, I see wisdom for... And then, remember how I said he just keeps talking? And it's like, and then the words just kept coming for me. And it's not... Listen, this isn't some weird seance thing where I'm like going into another dimension. No, I'm like fully just present. I'm just hearing God very quickly. He's illuminating my mind, and then it stops, and then I know it's done. Does it make sense? So tomorrow, don't be afraid if you've only got one word or a simple picture. Just give what you have, and more may come, and more may not come. Your job isn't to figure out the prophecy. Your job is to give the prophecy. It's up to them and the Holy Spirit and their spiritual people around them to figure out the interpretation and the application, right? So my challenge to all of you who are willing, go home, take a minute and be like, Lord, I'm asking you to give me a word for somebody tomorrow or a picture or an impression. He might give it to you ahead of time, and it might be that you walk into the room and you know the person you're supposed to give it to. There's another level of scary on that for me. Sometimes he doesn't give me a word or a picture or anything. It's just like there's a spotlight on a person in the room. And I'm like, okay, that's the person I'm supposed to prophesy over. And more often than not, I'm called on to, I often give prophetic words just privately, but very often they call on me to prophesy publicly like this. So I get to get up in front of 400 people with only a spotlight. (laughs) And that's a step of faith. But then, honestly, as I just say, excuse me, sir, what's your name? Jerome. Jerome, Jerome, may I give you a word? Okay, would you mind standing up for me? Well done, mighty man of valor. Well done. Good and faithful servant. But I no longer call you a servant. I call you a son and a friend. I have a room. I feel like the Lord's saying he has a room for you in, in, in the Father's house, which has nothing to do with after you go away. It has everything to do with right now. It's a secret place for you. Because he's just drawing you deeper. Where you're just going to get to hear the secrets of the Father's heart. Because he knows that you're trustworthy. He can trust you with his secrets. He knows he can trust you with his word. He knows he can trust you. In that place, he's going to start to speak to you, Jerome, about people around you. And you're going to start, he's going to start, remember that the thing of the flipping it, he's going to start to reveal some brokenness and some sin about people's lives around you. (coughs) And he's going to give you the strategies of how to talk to them and bring them into their own room in the Father's house. And I just hear it again, well done, mighty man of valor. Jerome, did that make any sense? Now, when I looked at Jerome a minute or two ago, I just saw a spotlight. And I took the risk of asking him if I could give him a word. And when he said yes, I heard the words, well done, mighty man of valor. 
I had to be obedient to follow that highlighting, if you will. And it's not really a physical spotlight. You get that? It's like, is something ever just stand out to you or pop out to you? It's like all of a sudden it's further forward. That's what I'm talking about. And it's, again, it'll be different for all y'all. But that's all I had. But I had to be obedient to that. And this is learned, I promise you. This is developed. This is practiced. Listen, this is, other than some years in the far-off country, no, honestly, actually, you'll find this is, uh, this is scary but true. When I was in my worst sin, I could still prophesy, no problem. It's the craziest thing. But the gift of God for some of you will be so strong in you that you can't. It's, and that's a dangerous place, just so you know. I don't say that as a good thing. That's like, oh, that's so dangerous because I can still present my giftings without being connected. Don't know why I said that, but I said it. But other than the years that I turned it off by saying no to him, that gift has been in me my whole life. And so it's a very strong gift in me. And it's very developed from about the age of, I think my parents said three or four on. And so my point is not to say, look at me, I'm wonderful. I'm saying, this is 31 years of walking in the prophetic ministry with the Lord, right? So don't worry if you don't start with seeing somebody pop out and stepping into that. And don't get into, I disobeyed the Lord and now I'm in shame and judgment. Oh, I hate that stuff. No. Don't go there. But, but if you're like, oh, I, you know what? That guy did stand out to me and I didn't say something. Um, challenge yourself next time to do it. And I wouldn't do it into the microphone the first time if I was you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was when I was obedient to ask and, hit, and Jerome's willingness to receive. Both of those things happened before God gave me the word. Are you? That's awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> well, here's the thing to know, Jerome. There is no visitors in, the, in God's family, right? We're all part of the same family. I don't care what denomination you're from. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and his father is your father, you're my brother, man, right? Okay, so those are just some examples. I'll get, I'll, I'm not going to teach it on prophetic tomorrow's ministry because I would be jumping the rest of the church in after a long time. Is that okay with y'all? Yeah, no, I get that. I just feel like it would be very hard for me to do it. It's not that it'd be hard for you. It'd be very hard for me to make it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what you're saying. I thought you were saying, no, no, go ahead and do it. I was like, no, I don't feel like I'm supposed to <laughs> in that. Unless you're telling me I have to, which I would submit to, I don't think I'm supposed to. Yeah. One o'clock? Oh, no, no, no. This is going to be just act. This is just practicing what I'm talking about at 1 o'clock. I'll just walk you guys through some practicing and give you an opportunity to prophesy over each other privately and publicly in terms of in the midst of the circle. Um, I'm not talking about a service. Y'all get that? Now, before we do it, can you just, like, I don't want to prepare and I'm just being blunt. I don't want to prepare and come and 
have these guys come and open the building and none of y'all show up. And that's totally fine if you're not interested, if you're like, that does not work for me, there's a softball game or a baseball game or whatever. No judgment, that's fine. But would you just show me your hands quickly if you would like that? Okay, it's a small group and that's totally cool. So maybe, huh? Yeah, we can do that. So we'll do it. Uh, that's great. That's enough. We don't need a big group. I, we used to do this, and there's a lot of fun things we can do. Um, like, I'm going to get you guys to give words tomorrow, and you're not going to know who you're giving words over. And it may not even be somebody in the room. It probably won't be. Um, but it'll be somebody that maybe one of you knows or two of you knows. And it's cool. Trust me, you'll watch, because it's like you'll be like, oh, my gosh. Once I tell you it is, sometimes you'll be like, that's amazing. A little harder here, because we don't know the same people. But still, it's going to be fun. We're going to have fun with it, okay? It's not... This isn't like a test. This isn't an exam. This is, we're going to have some fun. We're going to play. You know that God likes to play? You know that in his kingdom, we're supposed to have fun? You know the joy of the Lord is our strength? By the way, Monica, you have that gift wherever you are. There you are. You have that gift down pat, and I absolutely love it, and I need it. And you, you should walk in imparting that gift to people because it's actually supernatural, the joy that you walk in. It really is. It's not natural. It's joy on steroids, and it's not... And it's not obnoxious joy. It's the joy of the Lord. And it's a supernatural ability. Like, it's a supernatural grounding he's put in you. And you can impart that to people. Just, you know, by laying on of hands, I believe. Okay. I can't stop. So I've got to because I'm going to...